Father, we come to you right now. We want to stop and thank you for all of your many blessings, Lord, that you, you put in our lives. Lord, you place blessings down that are just innumerable and immeasurable. Father, you go above and beyond for your children to just do wonderful things that, that more than we could ever ask or imagine. Lord, we come in thankfulness because of the past and hopefulness for what you can do into the future. Lord, there is a dear sister who is struggling right now and a husband that's with her and children, a mom and a dad, loved ones who are, who are just struggling right now, waiting to see what things are going to be like. Before I ask for anything, Lord, I want to pray that your will be done. And help us, Lord, to understand that your will is best. But you know our will and our hearts cry is, Lord, that she would be fine. That there might be a miracle. That there might be praise in saying that she is well. Lord, this is our hearts cry. This is what we desire today, this morning. That she would make her well. And as she comes out of this, that she comes out beautifully and she is restored. But Lord, we can't see the future. We can only see right now. That's why we pray your will be done. Help us, Lord, to understand, as the writer of Romans said, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Help us understand it. Help us to know it today, Lord. Grant us peace in our hearts as we, as we continue to pray for her. Lord, may you be there to comfort and strengthen them, especially Brother Ronnie, her parents, Tom and Linda. That you would just help them, Lord. Give them peace that passes all understanding and comfort beyond their own that only the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, can bring. Lord, we place this situation in your hands, knowing full well that, that you are a good God and you'll see us through. You'll see them through. Now as we place that situation in your hands, we now place our hearts and minds and our very lives in your hands in this moment. That you would enable us to see your word today more clearly than we ever have before. That you would, Lord, use us in this moment as a vessel. That you might pour into us your living, holy word, your living water that brings refreshment to our souls, that, Lord, it might bring times of refreshing to us, but that we might pour out into the lives of others, that there might be times of refreshing for them as well. Lord, just use your children in this place to be a blessing for your holy name, but, Lord, let us also be blessed too. May we be comforted where we need to be comforted and convicted in our hearts and minds where we need to be convicted, that we might serve faithfully for you in these days. Again, we thank you for Jesus. Ask all these prayers and blessings so great in our hearts and minds. Lord, they are nothing but small matters to you. For you see it all and you know it all, you hold it all, and your will will accomplish all that you know is best. It's in that will and in the name of your son Jesus we pray. Amen. If you would, please turn in your Bibles with me to Habakkuk chapter 1. 
Anybody ever turned there before for a sermon? For not just turned there before. I hope you've turned there before. <laughs> but in a sermon, uh, I can honestly say that I, I have never heard a sermon over Habakkuk, but I was doing some personal devotion and thought, it's, it's time for one. It's time for one. He's in the sticky pages of the Old Testament with all those that they call minor prophets, according to the scholars, but to me, there's nothing minor about even a short, wonderful message. Habakkuk chapter 1, it's in your bulletin. It's also on the screen for you as uh, our good brother follows along up there in the, in the, is William there? There he is. Couldn't see the top of his head. Just want to make sure. Habakkuk chapter 1, we'll be reading uh, from verse 1 through verse 11. This is what it says. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call out for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in their righteousness, so there that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, says the Lord. For I am going to do something wonderful in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops along, headlong, and their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. I was talking to someone a, a few years ago. It really hadn't been very long about a hardship that they went through in, in their life. And when speaking of what happened to them, they said that they came to a point when they almost gave up their religion. That they almost gave up their religion. That they almost lost their religion. And they figured though, after thinking about it, at 70 years old, that they may just as well keep going to church because that's what they've always done. But they almost lost their religion. But they kept going to church because that's just what they've always done. I need to say that ever since I have heard this, I have felt extremely sorry for them. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean that in a very loving way. I, I feel extremely sorry for them. I'm first sorry for the hardship that they went through. I am very sorry for that. But I am even more sorry 
that their connection to God was nothing more than religion and just simply going to church. I want to look at this word religion for just a second that we tend to toss around quite a bit in our day and age. By definition, religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power. This is our contemporary definition of religion. Look it up, Google it, pick up a dictionary. This is what you'll find, that religion is the belief and worship of a superhuman controlling power. Religion, by way of this definition, is something that we do, and only we do. Can you see that in this? Religion, by this definition, is something that we do, and only we do. We believe, and we choose to worship. We do these things, and though this is part of how we should approach God, is is belief in and worship, that's not the only way that we should approach God. It's not the only way in which God has asked us to worship Him, though there is another portion of this definition I have a problem with, that being superhuman, because God's not human. created humans, but He is is so much more than that. So religion, when we use this word, whether we realize it or not to people, or whether we realize it in our own hearts and minds, Religion, when, to many of us, when we use this word, maybe it means something more to you than it does, but this is what the world defines as religion. It's not much. It's not much. And it really lacks God. It really lacks God. The belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power. And when I look at this, I can see why a lot of people would lose this. Because you choose to hang on it, you choose to worship, you, you choose to go to church, you choose what mindset you're going to have. There's, there's not much given to you for all that you choose. Religion is sort of at you and I's disposal if this is the way that we choose to approach it. So when I look at this, I realize that there's one extremely important element that's missing in this definition. That's missing from religion, in fact, altogether, and that is faith. The Bible does not describe religion, but the Bible does describe faith. I mean, it gives a definition of itself. Paul, in the book of Hebrews, said faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. God would much rather us have faith. Religion is not defined, but but faith is. Again, religion is a definition created by man, and and faith is a definition because it's in God's Word that is created, therefore, by God. So because Jesus rejected the religious leaders, God would rather us have faith. That we not be religious leaders, but that we would be faithful leaders. Because religion points to belief and worship of a superhuman controlling power God would rather us choose Him, the ultimate being and the ultimate authority in the world, as the center of our belief and worship. And this center of belief and worship doesn't point to something that we do, but it points to Him, entrusting in God alone faith. Because of religion, religion we maintain. 
don't know if you realize that or not, but it's that lady I talked to. Religion is something we maintain on our own. We maintain our own religion. But God would love nothing more than to maintain us through our faith. We maintain our own religion, but faith maintains us. Religion fosters ritual. Something that you do habitually to obtain a result. I'm not trying to... Let me just stop here and just say this now. I'm not trying to put anybody down for, for using these words, but, but words are, they are very important. And they're also important by the way that, that we act. You may not call it this, but if, but if you and I act like this, we, we're going to have troubled results. Because religion fosters ritual. Faith fosters relationship. Religion is what can I do? How can, how can I get something out of all this? But faith fosters a relationship where we begin to trust a God that we cannot see. But he proves himself by evidence of what he does to and for his children in this world. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul who reminds us in his letter to the Ephesians that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. Grace through faith. Not through religion, but through faith. And this is not from ourselves. This faith, again, listen to what he says. This is not from yourself. This is not from ourselves. Faith is something that we cannot muster up. It is something that we take part in because it's already pre-existed us. We are saved by grace through faith, and it's not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In relation to Christ in our life, we can claim nothing, nothing of our own power, but yet we can claim what has already been accomplished so freely through Christ on Calvary's hill and that resurrected tomb, we can claim this for ourselves. Nothing that we have done, nothing we can claim that we have done, but everything we can claim that Christ has already freely given to us. Again, I want you to listen to some more of Paul's words and verses just prior to these. It says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Church, again, it is because of what Christ has already done. His perfect work of redemption on Calvary's cross and His resurrection from the tomb, this is what enables us to rise from this earthly plane that we live in to blow past just simple religion to the heavenly realms that only faith can take us there. And this begins on the day that we accept Christ, again, saved through faith. The day that we started standing on His own goodness and not our own, because we knew that ours could not hold up. Church, heaven begins 
the day that we accept, or for those of you who are saved, the day that you accepted Christ as the Lord, Savior, and Master of your life. It's on this day that we relinquish control of our tomorrow because we realize that tomorrow may never come. And if it does, that Christ will show us in our tomorrow the incomparable riches of His grace. And all because He loves to bless His children. For we know that in all things, God works together for the good of all those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful truth. Really, these are promises that we have looked at, and these are, these are truths. Not only is God working all things together for good in your life, He has great riches that He wants to reveal day by day by day that you live with Him, leading up into the day that He reveals all riches in the fullness of all blessings in heaven. But until that day, He wants to show you that you can have life and have it more abundantly. He wants to show me as well that he, wants, he has life for me and he has it more abundantly if only we will serve him day by day. Trust in faith that he has something good in store for us. Despite what we may believe about what is going on around us. Church, these gifts of God are given to us through faith. Not religion of anything we could muster up within ourselves for our own goodness, whether you realize it or not. You may be good, but you ain't that good. And I ain't that good. It's going to eventually run out. Our tank is not but very close to empty. And we're blowing on fumes compared to what God can do for us through faith. Do you see through these verses, trusting in God that His promises will come true, do you see how standing on these promises in faith maintains you? It maintains me. It maintains us when we have run out of options, we think in our own mind, when we are, when we are at our wit's end, God is, is maintaining us from deep within in our, in our deepest parts, in our inner man, as, as the Scriptures tell us, that this is where God wants to be, right in the very, very core of who we are. That He wants to bless us because of our faith in Christ Jesus. To pour out blessing after blessing upon His children who believe. And faith can do this because it by nature casts our human efforts to the side as we trust not only in our own strength, but in that of, of God alone. That God can now show us when we believe that He can do something in our life, that these blessings can be released because we have now released control of ourselves. God, I'm letting go and letting you have control of my life. I'm letting you have control of my circumstances. What a wonderful joy it is that day when in faith we stand on that promise and simply let God do what He says that He would do all along if we had just moved out of the way for just a moment. That He might, that he might bless us. See, it is by faith that, that we can trust that the promises of God will come true to pass in our life. We know these things are going to come true. We know they're going to come to pass for the, for the faithful. 
but we wait. Sometimes we wait some more. We wait a little bit longer. I know God is faithful to his promises. If only I'll be faithful to him. But I'm waiting, Lord. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And we wonder, and, and we know that God is good. We, we know God is, is working all things together for, for good of those who love Him. We, we have in faith trusted in Him. Not, not something of, of religion that, that we're trying to do. No, we've released in faith to God. This circumstance, this situation in, in my life, even my very life. But, but I'm just having trouble understanding and seeing what it is that God is doing. Just like the prophet Habakkuk. When Habakkuk looked at his world, he looked at the circumstances around him, he was just flat out honest with God, and he asked in a moment of prayer, How long, Lord, must I call out for help, but you do not listen? Ooh, I don't know that I've ever been that bold for God. Listen to that again. How long, Lord, must I call out for help, but you do not listen? Habakkuk didn't have to look very far in his world and in his society to see all the injustices among the Israelites and to see how much devastation and strife and, and conflict and lawlessness and wrongdoing and just all around bad stuff. He didn't have to look far to see these things taking place all around him. And what was worse... It wasn't just all the other nations making all these bad things happen. It was happening in and among the people of God. Israel, God's chosen nation. People who had, had much religion, as the Old Testament shows us. But they had very few that had genuine faith. In fact, the Bible describes those people who held out in genuine faith of God despite the trouble that was around them. Does anybody know what they were called? I heard it, the remnant. The remnant. There is always a remnant of God's people. Until the day he comes back, there will always be a remnant. And you know what the remnant, how it's defined in Scripture? The faithful. Faithful to God. There are a lot of people in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, that had a lot of religion. But there were very few people who, who had much faith. Habakkuk himself had much faith, but that faith was getting desperately frustrated. Now, how many of us, and no need for hand-raising, or don't even need to grunt or say amen or whatever it is you, you want to do, but, but how many of us have ever been frustrated over what's happening in our lives, or what has happened in our lives? How, how many of us in the deepest parts of our spirit could, could say within ourselves, amen to God, because we've been frustrated over what's going on in, in our life? How many of us, again, no need for hand-raising, how many of us have maybe blamed God for letting something take place that we feel should have never have happened? How many of us maybe, maybe feel that way? How, how have we ever felt like we've, we've known somebody even who, who has walked away from the faith and walked away from, from trusting God over such things in their life? They got frustrated, angry with God, and they just, they just walked away. Are any of us maybe on the verge or on the brink of that right now? 
You are here. You have not yet walked away, but you might be desperately close from walking away from, from the faith that God has called you to. Again, I want to look at, at religion and, and faith one, one more time to see the difference of the kind of people who, who stay versus the people who leave. You see, somebody who has religion will blame God for wrong in the world and tell Him that it's His fault. And they will walk away because they have found something that did not line up with the way they thought that God should be. This is religion. It's a creation of ourselves and how we're going to worship. It's a belief we choose and a belief system that we stand on. There are some people in this way of thinking who don't give God the time of day and they simply walk away because of something that they thought God should have done. They looked at the situation and based it on only what they could, could see because we are limited in our human perspective. We walk away and we never give God a chance. On the other hand, someone who has faith will look at the same or similar circumstances and ask God, like Habakkuk did, about why these things are taking place. But then a powerful difference emerges. Both wonder what's going on. Both ask God what's taking place, but then the powerful difference emerges when the one in faith waits on God to reply. There is nothing wrong so many prophets have done that of old. There is nothing wrong with asking God why. But the problem is leaving before we get an answer. There's nothing wrong with asking God why. But the problem is walking away before we receive an answer. The one with religion never, never gave God a chance to show forth that he is still working on something that is unseen before their eyes. They wait for God to bring forth riches from, from the heavenly realms to, to the earthly plane, but, but they have it at a set and defined waiting period. If He doesn't bring it soon enough, doesn't give us enough riches that we think we should have, we walk away. But the one in faith waits for God to bring forth all these riches, waits, waits for all of heaven to come down and and as Jesus prayed, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The faithful wait for that day to come to pass. And they wait, just as Habakkuk, because they know that one day God will answer them. The faithful knows that one day God will answer them. Does this mean that they will not be frustrated in the meantime? Well, sure, they're going to be frustrated in the meantime. You and I might be frustrated in the meantime. We don't like it when we get frustrated about something we don't understand. Shoot, we get mad when they put pickles on our sandwich and we ask for none at the drive through line. We start questioning and going inside and holding up receipts and saying, why did this happen? I want a free Well, we, we, we don't like being frustrated over anything. Surely not over frustrated over things that we feel like we have no control over. Things that we're waiting to come past come to pass in our life. Sure, we're going to get frustrated. Even in our frustration, as God works, does this mean that we'll always understand what God is still yet to do? Absolutely not. But it's then we will join in in, in singing, I think, which is one of the greatest contemporary songs of our time. 
that God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand, trust His heart. I love this, these words. I think they're so powerful. It's a wonderful reminder of somebody who was on our earthly plane who was waiting for God to do something in their life. It's a wonderful reminder of Scripture that, that we need to be still. Stop working. Stop planning. Be still in your life and know that I am God. Even when Habakkuk didn't understand, he cried out to God, and I love God's response. When he said that God was asleep, I love what God said to Habakkuk. He said, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I love that passage. I'm going to tell you why I love it more than anything else. It's not necessarily because of what was said. It's because of how God said it. He's, I love this passage because I believe and love the response so much that God had because God had every right to put Habakkuk in his place, and he didn't. God is the God of the universe. He does not need to be questioned. He does not need our help. He does not need us to tell him what we think he should do, but yet he is still understanding enough because he knows that we're only asking this question in pursuit of an answer as we wait in faith and trust. We wait and see what God is doing. If He sees that there is faithfulness in our lives to hold out, He has no problem with us asking these questions. In fact, the Bible tells us that He gives us peace that passes all understanding. His Spirit begins to speak and minister to our soul. I love what Dr. James Dobson said in, in his book, When God Doesn't Make Sense, that God is present and involved in our lives even when He seems death or on an extended leave of absence. I absolutely love that. I love it. God is present and involved in our lives even when He seems death or He's on an extended leave of absence. Habakkuk thought at one time that God was either deaf or unaware of what was taking place, but he realized with time that God had a plan. This is why he could say by the end of his prophecy, Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord. Repeat them in our day and in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy." What Habakkuk realized is that God was indeed doing something, that he indeed had a plan, that he could stand in awe of God because he was being merciful to a generation of people whose actions did not deserve any kind of mercy. And though it didn't make sense that God would use an ungodly nation to shame Israel, but it made total sense that they had already given themselves over to the wolves. They had already shamed God and they had already gone the way of the world. Why not let them just be overtaken and overcome by the world that had actually already overtaken them? It was their punishment for their sins turned lesson. It was the punishment for their sins turned to a lesson. Even in these days, God was giving the people a chance to see the error of their wrongs and repent. Because as God told Habakkuk 
For the revelation awaits on an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Though you may feel that God is lingering in your life, trust in faith that whatever God is doing, it will certainly come to pass. And it will not delay. And if you wait for what God has promised to come to pass, if you, if you listen for God to speak and wait on Him to move, you can say with Habakkuk, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Though it still looks like things are not coming to pass in your life, knowing in faith that God has promised that He works together good for those who love Him, we can be joyful in God my Savior. Because though He linger, what He's promised will come to pass. Though we don't understand right now, one day it will come that we will understand everything when God reveals His plan to us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for giving us this opportunity to worship and be together today to, Lord, just stand in awe of You. Lord, this is something that we all deal with. We've all been frustrated in our faith. We've all had difficulty with what with what You have said will, will come to pass that seemingly hasn't. Lord, just simply help remind us that Your timing and Your planning is perfect. That You don't work on our time, You work on Your time. So that when You come about, when Your ways and wills are made known, that we can simply just stand in awe of You and say, it is You, O oh Lord, who has, who has done this. Lord, help us though to get out of the way a lot faster so that your will might be known much sooner. To give up our ways and wills in favor of yours. And that we might be able to say, maybe even with haste in our life, Lord, I'm so thankful that I gave it all to you. Help us, Father, to, to see this, to know this truth. That even when we can't see your plan, it is still working itself out. As the Israelites in days of old, you don't just go with us. You go ahead of us and you stay behind until we have crossed through the troubled waters of our life. Father, help us to see that now. Anyone who needs to be comforted with this great truth, Lord, speak right to them in their deepest heart of hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.